0: Algar Productions.
1: Algar Productions.
2: Algar Productions. Algar
3: Productions. Algar Productions. Algar Productions. Algar Productions. Algar Productions. Oh, Case. Ottawa. Case. Now oh, hang on, hang on, we did this part already. Which I think means, uh, let me see, uh, there's a one, there's a one. I'm on a train, I think you're all caught up. Uh, if you jumped on at episode 37, you should now have all the backstory you need to follow what happens next, so you're, you're hardly going to need me at all now, apart from the occasional scene setting and sidebar snark. Oh, and of course, to do this. Sarcastic Voyage presents the continuing story of Contentment Corner. Seriously, the show doesn't start until I do that. All the things I said before the theme music started didn't even count. Right, so when we last saw our friends at Zizix Cosmetics, those friends being current CEO Clegg Jorgensen, his scheming paramour, Evelette Verino, and the recently resurrected ghost of the company founder and Clegg's niece, Zizix Jones herself. Oh, and Zizix is wearing a cutting edge ecto 2 corporeal adapter suit, which allows her to do this.
0: How dare you slap me? Oh, I dare. Clegg, I don't care if this woman is your blood relative. I demand satisfaction at once.
4: Usually when you say that, do you mean things that are best left unsaid in front of family.
2: Yes, and let's try to remember that we are family, Uncle, and keep those lascivious comments pointed in the right direction in future.
3: I never made any- Uh, Zizix is referring to the outtake from two episodes ago. Apparently being dead has given her a meta-awareness, but uh, look, we did the whole meta thing already, so uh, no more of that. Got it? Lecivious comments?
0: Oh, all right. Bloody fun can narrator.
4: I beg your pardon?
0: I feel like we're losing the thread here. The thread that began unspooling when that woman slapped my face.
4: Yes. Well? Well what, my dear?
0: Aren't you going to do something about it? Call the Ghostbusters. Or maybe the Lady Ghostbusters. Oh, they've allowed women to become Ghostbusters since I've been dead?
2: How inspiring.
0: Clegg, I swear to the Dark Gods that we appealed to when we raised this woman from the grave. If you don't punish her for her actions, I will find a way (laughs) to.
4: Oh, Evelette, my darling. Zizix hasn't had a physical form in thirty years. I'm sure she was just testing it out.
0: On my face.
4: Your face was probably just in the way. Zizix, dear, tell my paramour here that you were just readjusting to the material plane.
2: Yes. That was it. You see? That, and I thought the manky
0: cow could use a good slap. I'll kill you! Already dead. Good luck with that. Then I'll have your spirit shoved into the most humiliating vessel I can think of. Good luck spending the rest of your life as an anteater. Really?
4: That was the best you could come up with?
0: I'm upset, and I still can't believe you're okay with her assaulting me like this. Oh, that was an assault. I can show you
4: assault. All right, enough. We should really be focusing our energies on our common enemy, Saint Corbiso.
2: Yes, I've spent three decades in hell thinking of little more than getting revenge on that
0: dodgy slag. Revenge? I thought you died when a time traveler unleashed a box of angry rats, which then devoured your face
3: as heard in episode 14.
0: I'm certain St. Corby was behind that somehow. I thought you just wanted to destroy her because she was your corporate rival. I want to
2: destroy her for a lot of reasons.
4: Right. Yes. Good. Now we're all on the same page.
0: I'd still like to be on the punish this bitch for slapping me in the face page, but I suppose we can fold that page over and come back to it later. Like all the pages we marked in Fifty Shades of Grey.
3: Oh,
4: Of course they read Fifty Shades of Grey. Right. So, do we have any kind of plan for toppling St. Corby?
2: Given how much time I've had to think about it, I have literally hundreds of plans, Uncle. Each one more devious than the last.
0: What if you rearranged that list? Pardon? Your list of plans? What if you gave it to us in reverse order? Then each plan would be less devious than the last. Sounds a lot less impressive that way, doesn't it? Watch
2: your tongue, Wench. There's a lot more face-slapping where the first one came from. Watch
0: your tongue, wench. Is this talk like a pirate day?
4: All right, enough. Zizix, dear, why don't we start with something small? A solo mission. I'll go cause some mayhem over at the competition and give you two ladies a chance to get to know each other better.
2: You can't be serious.
4: Oh, I am. I think if you both stop and listen to each other, you'll realize you have a lot more in common than you have not in common. I refuse. Or, alternately, you'll keep fighting and bickering until you wear yourselves out. Meanwhile, I'll be off doing something productive.
3: Now, Zizix, dear, let's hear one of those plans. Which takes us to the factory floor of St. Corby's Soap. Our last episode ended with the tearful reunion of Ottawa St. Corby and her extremely ill-conceived ex-fiance, Case Cudgington. An alarm had gone off in the factory, and Case, being the security guard, left Ottawa's office to investigate.
1: Hello? Is anyone there? Really gotta stop calling out like that. If someone's breaking into this factory, they're probably not gonna answer me. Well, at least I have my flashlight. Ah, crap, I forgot my flashlight. Better call Ottawa. Aw, crap! I left my walkie-talkie in her office. No flashlight, no walkie-talkie, no weapon of any kind. I'm a terrible security guard.
4: Now I'm sure that can't possibly be true. Gah! How did you just sneak up right behind me like that? Hmm. On the other hand, maybe security isn't the most ideal career placement for you. Who are you? What are you doing in here? The way I see it, I don't have to answer either of those questions. Yes, you do. I have a gun. <laughs> you most certainly do not have a gun. Yes, I do. Look at it. Under my shirt. First of all, if you had a gun, it wouldn't do you much good under your shirt. At best, you'd hit me, but end up with a hole in your shirt. <sighs> okay, that's a good point. Second, I know for a fact that you're not armed. How could you possibly know that? Because you said it. Out loud when i was standing behind you just now oh yeah well so's your mother ah uh,
1: i'm sorry i'm i'm sure your mother is a lovely woman you just kind of caught me off guard there
4: given that you're literally a guard that seems problematic this company's in real trouble if i shove a bunch of soap in my briefcase and just run out that door there i'd tackle you you only have one good eye Surely I could take advantage of your lack of depth perception.
1: Yeah, you wouldn't be the first, if we're being honest. Which is a new thing I'm trying.
4: And how's that working out for you?
1: I'll tell you after whatever this is, is over. What is this, anyway?
4: Robbery? A burglary? No, a... oh, nothing like that. I wasn't finished. Terribly sorry. Please, be my guest. Well... I was gonna say a larceny
1: next, but then I realized I don't actually know what that is.
4: Basically the same as the other two things you said. You're a regular thesaurus. Isn't it pronounced thesaurus? No, I don't think so. Anyway, let's start this again. I'm not actually here to do anything unsavory, I can assure you. Well... I want to believe that, but on the other hand, that's exactly the sort
1: of thing I would have said back when I was a liar. How long ago was that? Oh, just before I swore to my ex-fiancé that I'd try to become a better person. About ten minutes ago now, I'd guess. And for the record, that's a guess. It doesn't count as a lie if it was like, eleven minutes
4: ago. Mr. Cutchington. How did you know my name? It's right there, on your name tag. I have a name tag? Huh. So I do says my actual name on it, not one of my many aliases. Mr. Cutchington, I'm not here to rob you. I'm the health inspector. The, the health inspector? Yes, that's right. But it, it's almost midnight, and you walked in through a locked door which set off the alarm. Yes, well, I'm from Denmark, you see, and my watch is set to Copenhagen time. So I thought it was 8 a.m. Okay, but there's still the locked door,
1: which is a sort of locked door mystery.
4: Well, you see, in the frigid wastes of Denmark, our doors often freeze shut. So I'm used to having to apply a bit of force. Well, that
1: all checks out. What can we do for you, Mr. Health Inspector?
0: So, let me get this straight. Clegg is just going to walk over there, claim to be the health inspector, and shut St. Corby down. That's pathetic.
2: Well, of course it sounds pathetic if you describe it like that. And how would you describe it? Uncle Clegg will walk right into the belly of the beast, claiming fraudulently, it turns out, to be the health inspector. Overwhelmed by the unstoppable juggernaut of local bureaucracy and St. Corby's insipid desire to follow the rules, she'll be absolutely paralyzed.
0: No, I was right. Lame. And I suppose you have a much better plan. A cup of coffee and an equal amount of something a little whiskier than that. And I'm sure I could think of ten better plans. Oh, please. You wouldn't know a good whiskey if it bit you in your arse. Oh,
2: I do forget you Americans call it an ass. You're American.
0: You won't get round the issue with your baseless accusations. You grew up in Contentment Corner. Your birth name was... Don't you say it! Don't you dare! Agnes Jorgensen. I don't have to listen to this slander. I'm an important woman. No, you're not. You're a poser. (sighs) Well, first of all, I'm certain it's pronounced
2: "posia." Second, there's no one in this room, in this town, in this entire bloody state
0: more elegant than I. Oh, sure. Who knows more about the finer things in life than a North Dakota hick who's been dead since the Reagan administration? Luxury is timeless.
2: Or are you going to tell me that giraffe veal wrapped in gold leaf has somehow fallen out of fashion? What are you- Giraffe veal. Like the veal made from baby cows that you people eat?
0: Only, you know, from giraffes. It's much
2: more cruel that way.
0: Well, obviously, cruelty makes things taste better. Which is why my favorite rum is made exclusively from 18th century plantation sugar. Even I know it's the 21st century.
2: How much cruelty can be left if it happened 300 years ago? For instance, a considerable portion of the capital that helped me start this company was earned at the zebra track.
0: I think you mean zebra. Don't tell me what I mean. So what? What? People would race zebras like horses. That's baseline cruelty there, which, all things considered, is about what I'd expect from you. Oh, my,
2: no. I can see how you'd think that, given your obvious lack of worldliness. No, the Zebra tracks are wonderfully devious contraptions, like giant treadmills. The wretched stripe beasts get loaded on and they're forced to run until they collapse with exhaustion. Or, God willing, one of their legs gives out. That does sound pretty cruel. Oh, I'm not finished. They're also not fed. So the weaker ones are inevitably eaten by the stronger ones at the end of the day's
0: competition. And how exactly did you make money gambling on this? Oh, I wasn't gambling.
2: I came up with the idea myself, and the cultural elite were willing to pay thousands to witness it. Because it was elegant.
0: Okay, I have to admit that's not bad. But in the 30 years since you've been away... In hell... And that's different from Contentment Corner. How, exactly? Just go on with your tired example. Oh, it's anything but tired. In your day, you drove yourself places in a car. I did have a driver. Yes, but this is the future. We all have drivers now. And I only use the best ride-sharing service. You know... The one whose headquarters is rife with sexual assault and only uses contractors to avoid giving their employees benefits? Oh, please. I've been back on this mortal plane for
2: 15 minutes, and even I know that's all of them. You can do better. As a matter of fact, I can. I used to clothe myself only in fur coats made of the softest puppies harvested on Christmas Day right from under their family's festive trees.
0: You're really leaning into the whole Cruella de Vil thing, aren't you? I don't know who that is. Try this. See that water cooler there? I wasn't
2: going to say anything. Ghastly staple of working-class yokels. Let's all stand around this jug of water and discuss the sports, my fellow about.
0: I can see how you'd think that, yes. But the water in that particular cooler comes exclusively from snow in the fabled Death Zone of Mount Everest. And we won't sign for it unless we have notarized proof that at least one Sherpa was lost harvesting it. Surprisingly dastardly. But have you seen... Oh, they they moved it. Moved what? The panda skin rug I had in this office. Oh,
2: absolutely breathtaking.
0: I have seen that because Clegg put it in his bedroom. I've made love on that panda. Probably more action than it has ever seen in this sad little life.
4: So you're telling me this place is... dirty? Positively filthy. I see no choice but to recommend that this place be shut down for the foreseeable future. But it's a soap factory. Yes? So... I'm not taking your point, Mr.
1: Cutchington. Well, I mean, soap isn't dirty. It's, It's the opposite of that. It's the thing people use when they are dirty to make them not dirty anymore.
4: Mr. Cutchington, may I ask what your background is in soap manufacturing?
1: Well, I dated the owner of a soap factory for a while, about 30 years ago. And how much
4: actual time have you spent
1: on this factory floor? Counting the two hours I've spent touring the place with you? Yes, that's right. Mmm, I'd say about two hours and change. I spent most of my shifts in the break room, just staring at the vending machine. They've invented so many new flavors
4: of corn chips since I died. Uh, I, I was... I was cloned. Indeed. Fascinating as all of this is, sir. It leads me to confirm my original assumption that you don't know anything about the soap business. I am just the security guard. Quite correct. And as such, you don't know anything about the soap industry. So it may not make sense to you when I say that your glycerin process is contaminated with fungal agents. Your saponification vessels are positively caked with dangerous acidic compounds, and your gold process... You're lying. I beg your pardon? That thing that you just said, it's a
1: lie. Because, while I don't know a thing about soap making, there is one thing I'm really good at. Now see here. No, you see here. First you come into a place knowing full well that nobody qualified would be here. You start throwing around fancy technical terms that quite likely don't actually mean anything. You're here under the guise of someone who wants to help us, but the net result is serious damage to our reputation and our day-to-day operations, and that part where you flashed your credentials quickly enough that I could see you had a shiny badge but not slow enough for me to read what it said on it, and then you immediately launched into a bunch of stuff that was meant to shame me and make me feel like my good friend Ottawa would be running into some serious trouble, I've pulled that same basic scam a thousand times. It's a classic badger game with some pig in a poke, some fiddle game, a smattering of Spanish prisoner, and a Tallahassee steam trunk. Okay, I made that last one up, old habits, but I still say you're lying. Because lying, in case I hadn't made it clear earlier, that's the one thing I'm really good at. I know that's what you're doing right now. Wait, where did he, did he run away when I turned around to deliver my dramatic speech? Damn it. Still, I I think I've worked out how to use my lying powers for good. I gotta go tell Ottawa. Oh, here's my walkie-talkie. I used it to prop this door open. Hey, Ottawa. Turns out I'm a great security guard after all. Well,
4: that was a bust. And I suppose you two are still... You know
0: what I think you'd really enjoy? Grilled quokka. What on earth is a quokka? Oh, you're going to love this. Hang on, let me just get my phone. Oh, hello, Clegg darling. Here we are. These mobile
2: phones are fascinating. I must get myself one. Oh, look at that adorable little fellow. Yes, I should rather
0: enjoy grilling his tender flesh for a light meal. Quite right. And you know what would go great with that? White truffle oil, hand-pressed by the tiny, delicate hands of child labor. Yes, absolutely. And to top off the meal,
2: some shrimp. That... Doesn't sound very... Oh, it is. It's very, very. Because I know a seafood company whose bycatch rate is guaranteed to be 20% or higher. They discard at least one mermaid every batch! (laughs)
1: <laughs>
4: Don't you want to hear how our plan went?
2: Oh, it failed. But
4: how could you possibly have known? It was
2: a rubbish plan. Everlet helped me see that. But it was merely the first volley in the Wimbledon Symphony that will be
0: our masterpiece of destroying St. Corby's soap!
4: With tennis and music, presumably.
0: Shh, Clegg, dear. The women are talking. Now, you promised to tell me about that time you personally clubbed an ostrich in the kneecaps. Yes, so I did. It was quite a hilarious story, as it
2: turns out. There was this ostrich.
3: Episode 40 of Contentment Corner featured Mark Bosco as Case Cutchington, Christy Brannan as Evelette Verino, Brian Lynch as Le Narrateur, Carol O'Connor as Zizix Jones, and Jason Wallace as Clegg Jorgensen. It was written by Ron Algar-Watt with Christy Brannan, and produced by Algar Productions. Copyright 2017.
2: There was this ostrich. I think his name was Brian. Anyway, he was walking around in the yard, and there was a baseball bat. And I thought, who put these two together?